You're listening to the Employment Rights Online podcast, where we discuss everything employment rights and the job. Hi everyone, we hope you are being treated with the support and understanding that all employees and workers need to make you feel valued and appreciated at work. In this week's episode of our mini-series looking at mental health at work, we are looking at depression at work and what you may need to be aware of when you have depression and you are trying to hold down a job. In our final episode next week, we look at the legal responsibilities your employer has to treat you equally and fairly at work when you have depression. Okay, so health and safety executive research showed that in 2017, there were 12.5 million absences due to stress, anxiety and depression. But health professionals and researchers believe that this is only the tip of the iceberg because workers would rather tell their bosses that they have anything and every other kind of condition rather than tell their bosses that they have depression. One of the most common things that can happen to you when you are dealing with depression at work is that you can suffer from anxiety at best and anxiety leading to panic attacks, which is probably the worst thing that can happen to you. Because when you suffer a panic attack at work as a consequence of your depression being in an active phase, it's likely to be one of the first times that your colleagues or your manager will have witnessed your vulnerability. And that experience right there may feel like one of the worst experiences in your life. Because after recovering from your attack, you may feel overwhelmed at the thought of what your colleagues think of you or what questions might be asked of you and what explanations you will have to give. Depression is not visible in a way that encourages people to ask what they can do to help you. And when you're struggling to understand your condition yourself, it can be doubly difficult to explain the symptoms and the impact to other people. So after a depressive episode at work, you may even overthink whether people are questioning your professionalism or your ability to do your job after seeing you in your vulnerable state. You also face the possibility of two likely impacts on you after having a depressive breakout episode at work. The first is absenteeism, where you are dealing with the real or imagined consequences of your episode and what people may think of you, which may make you feel that you can't face going to work or being at work. And the second is presenteeism, where you feel you need to work harder or stronger or longer than your contracted hours 
to prove to your manager and your colleagues that you are capable of doing your job to the same standard as them. Neither impact is healthy for you. Now, if you've been struggling with your depression at work and you've been hiding your suffering and the impact of your condition on your performance at work, then coming out about your depression will seem like the worst possible thing you could do. But what you may not know is that under the social model of disability, meaning that disability is defined as a condition which is made worse by the barriers society puts in place as a reaction to your disability. Under the social model of disability, depression is defined as a disability because of the social impact this mental health condition has on your daily life and your ability to function. Other mental health conditions like bipolar affective disorder or schizophrenia are also defined as disabilities. And what you may also not know is that your employment rights as a person affected by depression as a disability are enshrined in Section 6 of the Equalities Act 2010, which provides a definition of disability as, firstly, if you have a physical or mental impairment, and secondly, that you are disabled if that impairment has a substantial and long-term adverse effect on your ability to carry out normal day-to-day activities, of which work is one of those activities. Long-term is generally defined as at least a year. It's important to understand that your disability, in this case depression, doesn't have to stop you from doing anything for you to be considered disabled. Your depression just has to make what you do, for example, living your life at home or doing your job at work, your depression just has to make these things harder to do. And it's perfectly acceptable under the Equality Act for your depression to be considered long-term. Remember, long-term is defined as generally lasting at least a year. It's perfectly acceptable for your depression to be considered long-term, even if your symptoms are likely to come and go. The Equality Act refers to these types of symptoms as fluctuating and recurring symptoms. So, for example, if you've had periods of depression for a few months at a time, but you also have months in between where your symptoms are more manageable so that your active symptoms don't last longer than a year, you will still be defined as disabled within the meaning of the Equalities Act because, firstly, your symptoms still have a substantial adverse effect when they happen and, secondly, your symptoms could happen again. That's the recurring element. Your depression or any other mental health condition will also be considered long-term if the condition is likely to affect you for the rest of your life, even if the time frame is going to be less than a year. For example, if your condition is terminal or part of a terminal diagnosis. 
When you are trying to understand whether your depression should be considered a disability, it's best not to make that assumption or that judgment from a standpoint of being stable on your medication. Instead, you should think about your condition and how you felt or how you are likely to feel and function when not taking medication. And then use this as a measurement of how your depression behaves and impacts on your daily life. Finally, under the Equality Act, your employer has a legal duty to make reasonable adjustments for you at work if you have depression. The Human Rights Commission defines reasonable adjustments as changes to the work environment that allow people with a disability to work safely and productively. And in next week's episode, we'll explore what some of those reasonable adjustments might look like. So we've looked at depression at work and why depression is defined as a disability. This podcast is for information purposes only and you should consider checking with your GP if you are worried about your mental health. We will put a link to the NHS Talking Therapies website in the show notes for this episode and we'll also put a link to a confidential NHS test which you can take to help you to understand what your feelings might be telling you. To access the links, Just scroll down the show notes where you're listening to this episode and press any links that allow you to see more information. We hope these links will help. And that's it for this week. As usual, you can find all our other support links at the bottom of the show notes for this episode. And remember, you can help us by sharing our podcast details with your friends and colleagues and also by leaving us a review on iTunes. Until next week, have a positive work week. Bye for now.